Let's bow once more for prayer. Father, Lord, I ask that you would uh, calm each mind, that you would give us the ability through the power of your spirit, uh, resides in each and every believer, to focus uh, these few moments not on the things that we have to do after we leave this place, but what you have for us right now from your word. Uh, And Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us, that we would walk away from today's services encouraged uh, and even... uh, Uh, more aware of your faithfulness to us each and every day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 1. And today we actually finish verse 1. And I'm sure you're happy for that. We'll end up um, uh, actually getting this. And actually, guys, you pulled the wrong PowerPoint there. Today, that's last Sunday's. Unless you want me to preach last Sunday's sermon again. So, as they're uh, working on the PowerPoint there, uh, as a review, looking at verse 1, we started out a few weeks ago talking about Paul. And you remember he went from being one who was a persecutor of the church, one who drug uh, believers off even to the point of death, uh, until uh, the risen Savior appeared to him on the road to Damascus, where uh, his world was turned inside out, upside down, and he became Uh, As this text says, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, uh, where he had a message of hope and salvation in Christ alone. Uh, And we uh, took a look uh, last time uh, where it says to the saints who are in Ephesus, uh, as we considered uh, those who were uh, who are called saints, that every believer in Jesus Christ is a saint. Uh, It's not because of something that you have done. It's not because of who you are individually. It is solely based on who Christ is in you. Uh, And so each one of us has the privilege of being a saint, a joint heir with Jesus Christ because of the salvation that we have been given that is a gift from God. Uh, And, you know, we talked about the significance of in Ephesus uh, being that uh, it was an actual letter that may have gone directly to the church at Ephesus uh, for them in particular, but it's, it looks like, um, based off of Paul's other letters, is that it was a letter made to be circulated uh, throughout all the churches in Asia. Uh, and today, we are going to finish with the phrase, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, and so, as we consider that fra- uh, phrase, uh, faithful in Christ Jesus, saints are faithful in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the channel. He is the the uh, way in which we are able to remain faithful in the faith that we've been called to, to enjoy that uh, title of saints because of Jesus Christ in us. And he is the one who helps us remain faithful. Uh, And if you remember back to our very first week when I gave you some introductory considerations, uh, I told you that the the, uh, phrase in Christ or in him appears over 20 times. Uh, in the text of of the book of Ephesians. Uh, And so it is very important for us to see uh, who we are faithful in and who is the the mode by which we are faithful to in relation to salvation. Uh, We're going to find as we continue to unpack the book of Ephesians that salvation is God's from beginning to end, that it was established before the foundation of the world. In eternity past, salvation was put into motion so that in Christ, in him, uh, we can be saints 
and remain faithful until the day that, that the Lord Jesus calls us home. We can take a look at the book of, of Galatians and realize that it's in Christ that we are faithful, uh, but also, too, that the Spirit has a role to play as well. Because you remember in chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it has the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And it's not by a coincidence that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. See, one of the things that God is, is faithful. And what he does when we put our faith and trust in his sinless son is that he gives us the fruit of faithfulness. That even though we may still struggle with sin, uh, and even though we may give in to temptation, uh, that God is faithful no matter what, and that when we are faithless, he is always faithful. Uh, but what God is doing is he uh, shows us who he is, and as Christ becomes more and more part of who we are, which we know comes by uh, you know, getting deep and digging deep into the word of God, his eternal truth, that we find ourselves becoming more and more faithful in our walk with the Lord to feed us spiritually when we need that spiritual food, which is each and every day, uh, not just when we think we have time. Uh, we need to make time, just like we do physically for our physical bodies to eat food. Uh, we need to be living and, and being faithful to the Lord uh, even throughout the day spiritually. Because we need to guard our lives from becoming unfaithful. How many times, and you know, I, I don't like to dwell on the things that we, are, we fall short in, but think about it. We are unfaithful still. And that's why we need to guard ourselves from becoming unfaithful uh, and to be faithful in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. See, God is faithful all the time to us, even when we falter, even when we stumble, even when we fall, even when we doubt, even when we find ourselves looking the other direction that does not change who God is. It reminds me of the words of the, the, the great hymn, Come Thou Fount. It says, O oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be, that thy grace now like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. See, that hymn speaks to the very truth of the word of God is that we need the, the, the Spirit of God. We need Jesus Christ to, to keep us faithful because we still do battle with the sin nature. We're just no longer slaved to it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the battle is no, you know, not that real. It is very real. And depending upon what we are focusing on will make all of the difference. You know, and I think about everything that's happening in our world today. It's very easy to get focused on all the things that are going on and forgetting who God is. To forget that he is faithful and true. That he cannot deny himself. He is not going to become another God based off of what man has done. Because he is eternally God. He is eternally faithful. And Paul, um, in speaking to the Ephesian elders, as we take a look in, in Acts chapter 20... 
um, still speaks to this, this whole idea of making sure that we guard ourselves and pay close attention to uh, our walk with the Lord. Uh, It says there in verse 28 uh, and following, it says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Okay, so notice that the the church is purchased by the, the blood of Jesus Christ. And whose church is it? It's God's church. It's not man's church. But we are called to pay close attention to what the word of God speaks uh, and even me as an overseer, me as a pastor, I need to remind you of the things that are biblical, to remind you of our faithful God. Because it says in verse 29 of that same chapter 20, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Okay, and it says in verse 30, and from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. See, the thing is, is we have to be on the guard because there are those that are going to rise up that are going to speak twisted things. They're going to take the word of God and make it something that it is not, which is exactly what Satan does. And we live in a day and age where we have access to so much in the way of teaching that you need to make sure that what you're listening to comes from the word of God. That it is not something that is contrary to the word of God. It is not something that is just culturally right but not biblically right. And you'll notice what Paul, you know, he commends there as he's talking to the Ephesian elders. He says, I commend you to God. Okay, so the first focus is God and to the word of his grace. So God and his word are the two things that that Paul commends believers as well as leaders and the church itself uh, to uh, look to and to glean from as uh, they live in the world. Because why? It is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. See, God's word accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do. And that is to change minds. Matter of fact, it says transform minds, but also to change hearts, to draw us in, to keep our focus where it needs to be on the God who is faithful. See, we need the power of the uh, eternally faithful God to live as faithful saints in Christ. Without God, we're going to stumble and fall. Without God, our focus is going to be taken off of God and put on all the circumstances all around us, whether they're personal to us individually or whether they're things happening all around us. And what will happen is, is all of those circumstances will consume you. They will become your master when you need to be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, looking to God and his word of grace. So let's spend a few moments here in in our our time together to speak of our faithful God, because we do need to be reminded of this, because as our world is steadily going down that that road of uh, immoral behavior, uh, immoral uh, belief, uh, a godless uh, place, we need to remember who our faithful God is. 
So to be faithful is to be reliable, steadfast, and unwavering. And that's exactly who God is. When you come to God, he is not going to be, you know, somewhere else. He's reliable. When you come to him, he is going to, through his word, minister to you. He's going to feed you spiritually. He's going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. And once you're there, he isn't going to cause you to waver one way or another. Because God knows that you cannot be double-minded. You can't be worrying about the circumstances of life on one hand, and then on the other hand, be faithful in your, your, your gaze upon God. It, they, they'll never come together. Uh, they'll never work towards one another. What ha- needs to happen is, is your focus needs to be solely on God and on his faithfulness. See, God doesn't have to work at being faithful because he is faithful. You know, and one of the things that hopefully you've, t- you've taken away from our time looking at the attributes of God in the adult Sunday school class is that every attribute we look at is something that God is. He does not have to become better at it. He doesn't need to remove some aspect of it in order to better himself. He is, in its purity, in its completeness, in its fullness, every attribute that speaks to him. He is faithful. Period. Or maybe exclamation point should be the better. No person, no circumstance, and nothing outside of God will cause him to act any way other than faithful to who he is. And that's one of the things that makes him God. Because if he was affected by outside influence, that he would no longer be God. He would be dependent or, you know, changed by something outside of himself. He is eternally independent of everything. He, he does not need any of it, and none of it has an effect upon him because he is almighty God. See, we can have complete confidence and trust in God's faithfulness. And know this, and listen to me as I tell you this. As you think about trusting and having confidence, complete confidence in God's faithfulness, is that God's faithfulness is good for you both now and on your deathbed. God's faithfulness is good for you when you are one day in the presence of God for all of eternity because God will not cease being himself forever. So God's faithfulness is good for you now, on your deathbed, and in eternity. And that's something that you need to remember. And don't just, you know, separate it to when we're about ready to cross over that threshold as those have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. As we just this past week celebrated Jerry Groton's life and the fact that he stepped over that threshold of death, that he didn't have a fear of death because he knew his Savior. And, his, and Jesus Christ took him home. Uh, and uh, the fact is, is that sometimes when we're living in the here and now, we forget who God is. Because all of the circumstances of life overwhelm us. And there are many circumstances. Because sometimes they're family-related because maybe, you know, uh, not everybody in your family knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Maybe they make fun of you. Maybe they deride you. Maybe they pull you down. Cause you maybe even to question your faith in him. Maybe your boss, you know, does not know who God is and treats you and speaks to you as someone who is completely devoid of any type of influence morally uh, or in, in relation to who God is. 
You know, or you take a look at our country, and even in, in, the, in this past week, you know, one of our legislators was quoted as saying that the will of God has nothing to do here in relation to our country. So the fact is, is that, you know what, we know that sinful man is going to act that way. It should not surprise us. But if that is our sole focus, what that can do is drag you down into, you know, the depths of despair. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take your gaze away from that and look at the world through the faithfulness of God. Because when you do, it will make a profound difference. To remember, as it says in Psalm 121, that God is our keeper, that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. He has you in his hands all the time. So a couple things to consider. This is not exhaustive in any way because I could, you know, spend at least a couple of sermons speaking to the faithfulness of God. But what's the scope of God's faithfulness look like? Well, one, according to Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it's great. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Did you hear those words, never? Because that's who God is. He does not change. He is faithful in his degree, in his power, in his intensity. None of that dwindles. None of that comes, you know, and, and, and uh, feigns over time or wanes. That's the word I want. Wanes over time. But not only is it great, it defines everything that God does. Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is upright and all. And that's a word you should circle, underline, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He can do no less. So when we trust him, when our gaze is upon him, when we are taking in his word and making it part of who we are, then guess what? That is going to change how we look at everything. It's going to change us from the inside out. Whereas the world and its influences and circumstances of life try to change us from the outside in. Remember who is on the inside. The very power of God through the Holy Spirit that resides in every true believer in Jesus Christ. Third is that God will accomplish all of his purpose. In other words, nothing stops God's faithfulness. Nothing. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 46. It says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to your mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, calling a bird of prey from the east and the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken it and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will do it. Does that sound like a God who's going to be unfaithful? Does that sound like a God who does not know who he is? No, he knows exactly who he is. He is wholly other, and he is perfect in his faithfulness. Nothing stops God's faithfulness, nothing. Well, what about God's faithfulness in action? Because it's one thing to know that God is faithful, that he is going to, you know, that his faithfulness is great, that it defines everything that he does, and that he's going to accomplish his purpose. But what does that actually look like? in action for us. Well, 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 tells us that God guards us against the evil one. 
But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So God's faithfulness does something that's profound, something that we desperately need, and that is protection from the evil one, the one who's going to uh, cause us to doubt, to cause us to stumble, to say, well, is God really faithful? Do you think God really cares about you? You know, look what you just did. Look at what you just said. Look at what you just thought. You know, he is our constant accuser. But it says right here that the Lord is faithful. It's based in his faithfulness. So he isn't going to let you down. He is going to be there for you in your time of need because he is reliable. He is steadfast. He is unwavering. And we even know from 1 Corinthians ten thirteen that it's even in regard to temptation. Where it says, no temptation has overtaken you such as common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So he'll even take you through those times of temptation and bring you out on the other side that much better when you look to him, the God who is faithful. But he also answers prayer. Psalm 143.1 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my plea for mercy. In your faithfulness, answer me. In your righteousness, even prayers of confession, First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? For, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's our God. When we come to him, even when we stumble and fall, even when we are faithless, God is still faithful. Remember that. And he will also keep us until the very end. First Thessalonians five twenty three and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, he who called you is faithful. He will surely do it. There's no ifs. There's no condition because God is faithful. He is going to do it. There's surety there. You can trust God. And so we've taken a look at our faithful God. We've taken a look at the scope of his faithfulness and his faithfulness in action. So in our last moments together, how can we learn to trust in God's faithfulness to us? Because that's the bigger question. How can I trust God's faithfulness to me? All right, well, I'm going to give you a list of actually eight things. And I don't know if it's, I doubt it's exhaustive, but this is what came to my mind as I was preparing. We need to learn to trust the character of a, the person of God. Because we learn to trust the character of a person by getting to know that person. So do you know God? Do you remember that he is faithful? That he surely will do it? that he will accomplish all of his purposes, that, that, that he is alone God and there is no other, no one like him. Great is his faithfulness. So first is spend time reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating upon his word. Seems pretty simplistic, but it has profound effect. And you'll notice that I highlighted every last one of these. These are action words. Reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating. You need to put in the effort. 
God's going to remain faithful. And the fact is, is that unless we are spending time learning to trust him, which means we have to be in his word, we need to know what we need to do. We need to know what we need to say. And that all starts with us reading, studying, meditating, and memorizing the word of God. Because remember, it's truth. Second is spend time talking with him in prayer. Spend time in prayer. I guarantee you, if you spend time talking to God, then all of the cares of the world will literally fade away. Because what he will do through his spirit will be to minister to you in ways that you maybe have never experienced before. That he'll be able to give you the confidence to be able to face the challenges that that you have maybe in your family or at work. Or as you take a look at our country, as it's basically imploding from the inside out. Remember who God is. Remember his faithfulness. Spend time talking with him in prayer. Third, spend time reviewing his promises and then personalizing them. Okay, there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of promises that God has given to those who belong to him. Know them. Review them. Make them part of who you are. Personalize them. You know, one of the things I can remember about uh, in one of uh, uh, Dr. Erwin uh, Lutzer's sermons is he was getting ready to speak, you know, and, and if you've ever heard him speak, you know, you know that it, it seems like it's very easy for him to speak. That God has gifted him and he's just an outflow from knowing the Lord for so many years. But he shares a story of just a bunch of circumstances that all of a sudden came to a head And the first thing that he did when he was getting ready to go out and and basically share the word of God with this large crowd, and here he was, you know, being downtrodden, is he began to recite out loud to his tempter the promises of God, that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he is with you until the end, that his word will silence the truth. And he began reciting those things, reviewing them and personalizing them in his account, which gave him the ability through the power of the Spirit to go out and proclaim the truth of God to that crowd. Fourth, spend time remembering how God has acted in your life in the past and the fact that he has never failed any one of us. Never go to the place to think that God failed you. We fail God. God never fails us. And the thing is, is that when you find yourself going low, remember the times that God had you and showed you something miraculous that you maybe can't even explain. Where he took you to a a scripture to reinforce, to give you the, the artillery to fight against the evil one. Don't forget who God is and how he's acted in your life. Fifth, spend time confessing your sin. Because sin puts a wedge between us and God. It puts a barrier. It does not, you know, it, it, you know, when we talk about confessing our sin, this is not in relation to our salvation because we have been bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ when we put our faith and trust in him. But when we walk with God, when we abide with him, when we... Uh, you know, sing of his ways. If we have sin in our heart, that is going to be a, an obstacle. Three more. Spend time casting all your cares upon him. 
Stop carrying the burdens around with you. Stop holding on to them. Stop dragging them behind you. Stop using a moving van to bring them with you. Give them over to God. Lay them at the foot of the cross. Don't hold on to them any longer. Give them over to God. Seventh, spend time tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You do that by getting into his word. You get into that by praying to him. You, you, you see that in the lives of other believers as he's impacting their lives and you, you watch God work. It happens when you watch someone for the very first time have the eyes of faith to know that they are saved, that their sins are forgiven. That's tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And finally, spend time resting in his goodness. That's where we need to be because that's where we're going to get the ability to overcome. That is where we're going to get the ability to see God for who he truly is, the God who is faithful. And I close by reminding you of the very first song we sung this morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above. Join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Do you believe that this morning, church family? You need to. Because the world is going to continue to be consistent to who it, it is and who they serve. And that is not the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not God. That's man worshiping himself, not giving God the glory, not remembering the great faithful God who is. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for the reminder that you are faithful that all of creation gives testimony that you're faithful because, Lord, uh, there's a new day. Uh, we are here this morning able to worship, able to, to breathe, and our heart is beating in our chest, shows your faithfulness to each and every one of us because we're not robots. We're not robotic. You are the one who sustains all of life, and that gives testimony to your faithfulness. Even as we can see and look outside, that this morning reminded me of, of you know, pre-spring days. It's a reminder of, of new life and growth that's going to come because you're the faithful God who still watches over even the smallest detail to provide for that sparrow, but also how much more for those who belong to you. Help us to see you as the God who is faithful, to see you ha how you are. And to not allow the things of this world to drag us underneath, but instead that our focus and our gaze would be upon you. That we would spend time 
reading and studying and memorizing and meditating and talking and reviewing and personalizing and remembering and confessing and casting and tasting and seeing and resting in your goodness and faithfulness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.